If speaking in tongues is speaking known human languages, why does there need to be an interpreter? Is the Sabbath on Saturday or on Sunday? And are we made in the image of God or of Adam? The answers to these questions when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in the Word of God. Because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. And once again, is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Oh, oh, oh. Shh. 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 The baby's asleep. Don't you dare do that. <laughs> I understand he's not been the best today, is it? He's had the grumpiest day ever. <laughs> I don't I don't know. There but, was nothing that I was doing that was making him happy. But even when he's grumpy, he's still adorable. He is. He gets that from his mom. Oh. <laughs> even when I'm grumpy, I'm adorable. Even when you're grumpy. Thanks, babe. That's right. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> shh. Don't oh, yeah. give up. Don't give up. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Yes. To the podcast this week. <laughs> you might have to turn us up. <laughs> On the Friday edition, we take questions from the listeners, and you can send those questions to when we understand the text at gmail.com. Hey, I want to start off here, though, talking about our new T-shirts. Yeah. Have I you have, seen them? I have. I'm excited. So this is at doctrineandlife.co. Mm-hmm. Doctrineandlife.co. And they handle T-shirts from several of us small little podcast ministries. Yeah. Voice of Reason, Chris Honeholz. His T-shirts are through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some bigger ministries like Alpha and Omega. Oh, yeah. James White's T-shirts are through there as well. I'm trying to identify what that shirt is. I can't see. I can't tell. Anyway, so ours is white. We got a nice white T-shirt. Yep. With what? <laughs> right there on the front. And then on the back, it's got Q&A. Woo-hoo. So just like we do Q&A on Friday, there's a Q&A on the shirt. And on the back of the shirt, it says, what must I do to be saved? Answer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Acts, Amen. Acts 16.31. So you even got a little bit of evangelism right there on the back of the T-shirt. And uh, if you go to our Facebook page, I had it on there like near the top. You might have to scroll down a little bit now, but it's it's doctrineandlife.co. You'll see some of the other shirts they have available there, but look for the what T-shirt. Yeah. And soon to be available, hoodies. Awesome. There will be some what hoodies on there, Love too. some hoodies. Because it is nice and cold right now. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. Um, yesterday was, or I guess it was um, Wednesday, it was like 75. Yeah, it was nice. And then Thursday, it didn't get up above 50, I don't think. Well, Monday and I think Tuesday. low 40s. Yeah, Monday and Tuesday were real nice. They it were was super. Right in the middle of Wednesday somewhere, that front came in. Because mm-hmm. when yeah, we came home. Raining. Yeah, we came home from church Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. It was way colder. Yeah. So even in East Texas, it's it's pretty cold right now. Well, compared to the 75, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that right. was a considerable drop. Jumping from 75 to. Below. Uh, it was below freezing this morning. That was, well, it ha- same thing happened happened last week mm-hmm. last week we were in the 70s and then next day it was like 35 kind of curious what my birthday's gonna hold <laughs> <laughs> every time in kansas it was warm right before my birthday and i was super excited and and then right like a day or two before my birthday it got super cold like it would just drop yeah that's so, on that's on tuesday curious. folks so now you know becky's birthday 
Shh, don't tell. <laughs> it's it's easy for me to remember because it's exactly one month after Christmas. It is. Yeah. Speaking of which, <clears throat> since Christmas, I've done eight what videos. Yeah, you've done a roll. Yeah, this this is the most I've done since we've moved to Texas. Um, yes, you're making up for it. <laughs> I've got eight videos done. Two of those videos that I've done just in the past week, we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. But our first question is with regards to what we've been looking at Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in 1 Corinthians. Awesome. So this comes from Savannah. She says, greetings from Missouri. I hope you all are recovering well from your sicknesses. Thank you. I said, we are. I said you weren't on last week because mm-hmm. you were ill. I was. Yeah. Yep. She says, I have a question about speaking in tongues in regard to what was said on Tuesday. I am a visual person and I still have a hard time understanding what it was like or what the purpose was for someone to be given a foreign tongue to speak to the congregation. Why was an interpreter needed? If the foreign tongue was given to preach the gospel to someone who spoke that tongue, if I am understanding it correctly, can you walk us through what this process was like and what the purpose for it was in the Corinthian church? Thank you. Now, some of this we're going to be talking about as we continue on in first Corinthians. So we're getting up to here. Let's see. I've been through verse nine. When we get to verse 13, 14, 13. Mm hmm. One who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. One of the things that indicates there is that the person who's speaking in tongues does not even really know what it is that he is saying. Hmm. Verse 15, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. This is Paul saying that he's going to pray words that are... That, that are understood. Mm. His mind knows what they are and you know what they are. Otherwise, verse 16, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what it is that you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Hmm. Okay, get that. This goes right with Savannah's question here. Get that in verse 19. In church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So the purpose of speaking in tongues is really not for the gathered congregation. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the indication there. The purpose of the speaking in tongues was more evangelistic right. than it was for uh, worship in the gathered body, mm-hmm. because not everybody can be edified with it. Somebody gets up and speaks in a tongue. If you don't have somebody to interpret what it says, then it doesn't edify anybody. Apparently, it doesn't edify. It doesn't even edify the person who's speaking it. Yeah. Because even they don't understand what it is yeah. that they're saying. They're confused. Right. So the purpose of an interpreter is so that the people may know, the people may understand. But you look at like what happened in uh, what happened in Jerusalem at Pentecost with the apostles preaching the gospel in all the languages that were represented there. Mm-hmm. There didn't need to be an interpreter, right? The people who heard what were being said, they heard it in their own language, mm-hmm. and then Peter proclaims to all. Uh, exactly the gospel. Now, the way that this was going in uh, in Jerusalem, it's likely that 
we're getting in the narrative what Peter was saying or what was being preached there in Jerusalem through Peter. What Peter was saying is what all the apostles were saying in the respective tongues in which they were speaking. Sure. So that everybody who was there could understand the message of the gospel Mm -hmm. and therefore believe it. Right. You have the gospel come to Corinth the same way, just like Ephesus. So I I drew the illustration from uh, Acts chapter 19, where Paul is, uh, he comes across 12 disciples, puts his hands on them, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they're speaking in tongues. They go throughout Ephesus preaching the gospel, which is a major port city. You've got all kinds of languages that are represented there. Corinth was the same way. It was a major center of commerce. Totally different location in mm-hmm. the Roman Empire than yeah. where Ephesus was located, but it was still, you know, in that Greek province, mm-hmm. and you still had a lot of different people from a lot of different parts of the world that were coming there and would have been speaking multiple languages. Right. So even when the gospel came to Corinth, it came speaking in tongues. And both of those examples are spreading the gospel, not church. Right. Not not in the gathered <laughs> corporate worship right. of believers. Corporate. Corporate worship. Yes. See, I couldn't spit that out. <laughs> Church. <laughs> so you have the Corinthians that have observed this, and it's a pretty cool spiritual gift, mm-hmm. which is why people fake it, right? Because right? they want it. This this is the cool spiritual gift. Yeah. This is the one that everybody wants. John Piper, you know, has talked about how he's prayed and asked God to give him tongues. Uh-huh. It's one of those neat things that we wish we could have, a feeling of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, and then we're speaking a language that we didn't previously know. Right. So the Corinthians are, are showboating in church, trying to show that they have this gift of the Holy Spirit that they really don't have. Mm-hmm. So they're faking it. The uh, The guidelines that Paul is laying down here in 1 Corinthians 14 is really to prevent that from happening in the church. Mm. And again, we'll talk about that more as we go through more to of this keep text. It in check. Yeah, to keep it in check. Because again, the purpose of the spiritual gifts is what? To edify the church. That's right. That everybody may be blessed by the spiritual gift that you've been blessed with. Mm -hmm. It's for building up one another in the church. Right. Speaking in tongues can't do that. Right. Because not everybody understands what's being said. Paul even says if an outsider comes in and sees you doing this, they're going to think you're mad. (laughs) True. They're going to think you're crazy. So for for the purpose of building one another up, not to showboat, not to make yourself look cool, Mm -hmm. because look at this spiritual gift that I have. If you are given a spiritual gift for the purpose of prayer, you need to sit down and be quiet. That's what Paul is saying. Yeah. But if you are speaking in a tongue, pray that you may interpret, Mm -hmm. because that's the point. If the Holy Spirit is actually giving you a word in another language, pray that you may interpret, because whatever that word is needs to be spoken to the people of God in order to build them up. Right. So there you go. And we should be humble about our gifts, too. These gifts are not given to us so that way we may boast about them. They are given to us so we can be humble and just give God the glory that he gave us this and we had nothing to do with it. That's right. It goes back to chapter one with Paul saying, let he who boasts, boast in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't have your spiritual gift to build your brand. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we were just talking about what t-shirts a moment ago. (laughs) Well, it has the gospel on the back. Oh, I'm there you kidding. go. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we go on to this next question from Justin. Well, first of all, this this is now going into one of the what videos that I uh, had posted earlier this week. This went on Seventh Day Adventism. Oh, yeah. So let's play the video and then we'll get to Justin's question. All right. Good 
Seventh-day Adventists say that worship should be on Saturday, not on Sunday, hence the name Seventh-day Advent. Their leading prophet, Ellen G. White, said that to worship on Sunday is to worship the beast. Seventh-day Adventism began in the 1800s out of the failed Millerite movement after William Miller made a bunch of false prophecies about the return of Christ. James and Ellen G. White became the most prominent leaders, claiming to receive special revelation from God. But like Miller, Ellen White also made false predictions about Christ's return. Adventists deny the existence of the soul, which also warps their doctrines about humanity, Christ, salvation, and hell, claiming that God would never send a person to hell. Adventists deny that people are born sinful, but only that they have sinful tendencies. Ellen White said that Jesus came to our world not to reveal what a God could do, but what a man could do. She also taught that Jesus did not atone for sins by his death on the cross, but that there is a final atonement coming later. So according to Seventh-day Adventists, your sins are not forgiven when you come to faith and you have no assurance of salvation. But the Bible says to followers of Jesus, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus warned that false Christs and false prophets would arise so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Beware of Seventh-day Adventists, a false church with a false gospel, when we understand the text. I'm pretty sure it's every time we play a what video, he wakes up. It's probably because we quit talking during that time so we can listen to it. And then we come back in and we're loud again, so... You know, because before we started quiet, we kind of built up. It does at seem the very beginning. Yeah. So we should have started quiet after the movie or after the video. After the movie. Because <laughs> you've been sleeping with movies on. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Lull me to sleep. But it's it's the dead quiet that wakes him up. Yep. We get quiet. And he's because he's got four siblings, yep. so it's loud in the house all the time. Yep. And then Becky, when she's in bed, this has been through her pregnancy, so she's still doing it. Yeah. Watching TV. With the, <laughs> you just leave the... I do. I leave the TV on, so yep. that way there's constant noise for him to sleep through. Because when they go to take a nap or disappear outside or playing or whatever, it gets super quiet, and then he wakes up. Yeah. Like, well, so much for my uh, time to rest. <laughs> so much for your quiet time. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we played that video because we got a question about it. This is Justin who says, hello, what? I had a question about your most recent Seventh-day Adventist church video. What with the whole confusion about what day is the Sabbath? So that's his question. What day is the Sabbath? Essentially, okay. I personally believe we worship God on Sunday, but they believe it's on Saturday. Well, the Jewish Sabbath is Saturday. Right. Throughout the Old Testament, it's the last day of the week. Mm -hmm. Christ died on Friday. Mm -hmm. He's in the tomb Saturday. He rises again Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Hebrews explains that Christ is our Sabbath rest. In Colossians chapter 2, where it talks about that festivals and new moons and a Sabbath were a shadow of the, of the things to come, mm. but the substance belongs to Christ. So all of those things were fulfilled in Christ, and he is our Sabbath rest. Mm -hmm. In Matthew chapter 11, where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You get to the end of that in Matthew 11, you go right into Matthew 12, where he says that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. All of that is connected. So our our rest is in Christ. He is our Sabbath. Every day that we are in Christ Jesus is a Sabbath day for the believer. Amen. But every day for the unbeliever who is not resting in Christ, 
who still thinks they can attain righteousness by their own works, they break the fourth commandment every day. Mm -hmm. So they have no Sabbath rest. They're constantly working and laboring, thinking I can gain righteousness if I just do enough good things. Which also means they have an idol. Right. Yeah. There's a lot that play into that one. (laughs) (laughs) But Christ is our rest. So we rest from our work in Christ. He's our Sabbath rest. So we have a day upon which we commit to the Lord, and that is the Lord's day. That's Sunday. So you see that in the New Testament, that everything's gone from being Saturday to Sunday Uh with the Christians gathering on the first day of the week to break bread, which means that's the day they're getting together to do communion, the Lord's Supper, and to hear the word of God proclaimed and to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Uh making melody in our hearts to God. Uh, That's what you see going on in the New Testament. So our... Day of worship became that day, since that was proclaimed as the Lord's day. That's Mm. the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Right. So now we who are in Christ are beginning the week with worship instead of ending the week with rest. Mm -hmm. That's the way that that's the way that goes for us there. You get to Romans chapter 14, where it talks about how one person esteems one day as holy Mm -hmm. and the other one esteems all days alike Mm -hmm. so this is talking about how the jew looks at saturday as holy right and the uh the gentile christian looks at all days as being the same Mm -hmm. (laughs) well they're all they're all god's day right right we are to live every single day unto the lord romans 12 1 in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And that means every day. That's every day. Right. Luke nine twenty three. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, daily and follow after me. And so when it comes to differences of opinion on which day we're supposed to be gathering and worshiping the Lord... In the church there in Rome, you Mm -hmm. had the Jews that were saying it should be Saturday, and you had the Gentiles saying, well, why not Sunday? Right. Because that's what the apostles were doing. That's the day that uh, Christ rose from the dead. And Paul says that we're not supposed to quarrel over opinions. One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Mm-hmm. If you are convinced that it has to be Saturday that we worship, be fully convinced that you may worship on that day and give it completely to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But if you know that Christ has fulfilled the laws of the Sabbath and he is our Sabbath rest and Sunday is the day that we worship because that's the Lord's day. That's the day that we have in the New Testament mm-hmm. that the apostles that the church was gathering together to worship if you're convinced that that be the day then give that day unto the lord Mm -hmm. i still think there's something right and good about removing from ourselves all kinds of worldly distractions and devoting that day that we give to the lord to being uh, a day of worship Mm -hmm. like Like a full day yeah like a full day especially if your church has a meal after church they've Mm -hmm. got a sunday evening service Maybe there's some sort of Bible study that goes on in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Just plan on that day. Sunday is the day that I'm being with believers. I'm going to be with saints. Yeah. You're out in the world doing all the other work that you do the rest of the week. Let there be a day that you've given to the Lord and to the saints, mm-hmm. uh, to be with the saints in worshiping God together. Definitely. Especially in the day of COVID. We really need to gather together and be um, building one another up in the Lord and remembering who Christ is yeah. and how important he is to our lives rather than 
being overran by governments and I mean, not just America, everywhere, you yeah, know, all over, all over. People believe that segregation is better than being together. It's not. It's not beneficial. And it's not what it says in the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's breaking up the church. It's yeah. dividing one another. Uh, the next question about that video, this comes from Tanya in Ohio. And she says, I've been seeing a lot of Seventh-day Adventists pop up on YouTube lately. I always felt like something was off, so I started researching and found out that they believe the Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. <laughs> that was enough for me. Yeah, I really, when I did that video, that's what I wanted to focus on, because that is a teaching of the Seventh-day Adventist church, that even when it comes down to the judgment at the very end, God is basically going to be judging us based on the Sabbath. Okay. Did we keep the Sabbath? Or were we worshiping on another day of the week? Interesting. And Ellen G. White, the Seventh-day Adventist Church's leading prophet, had said that Sunday worship uh, is to worship the beast. Hi hmm. there. I got a cute little face staring at me, grinning over here. So With Kissy. a little dinosaur hat on. <laughs> Can you say hi? <laughs> so here is what Ellen G. White said about the mark of the beast in Revelation 13. And this is from her book, The Great Controversy, page 449. Okay. All right. But when Sunday observance shall be enforced by law and the world shall be enlightened concerning the obligation of the true Sabbath, then whoever shall transgress the command of God to obey a precept which has no higher authority than that of Rome will thereby honor popery above God. He is paying homage to Rome and to the power which enforces the institution ordained by Rome. He is worshiping the beast and his image as men then reject the institution, which God has declared to be the sign of his authority and honor in its stead that which Rome has chosen as the token of her supremacy. They will thereby accept the sign of allegiance to Rome, the mark of the beast. And it is not until the issue is thus plainly set before the people and they are brought to choose between the commandments of God and the commandments of men that those who continue in transgression will receive the mark of the beast. Oh. So essentially, this is Ellen G. White saying, it's now been revealed, of course, in the 19th century is when she's writing all of this. Mm -hmm. It's now been revealed what the true day of the Lord is and what the day of Rome is. Like mm. the Roman Catholic Church has chosen Sunday. Right. So that's the day of the beast. The true day of the Lord is the Sabbath, the Saturday, according to Scripture. So that's the day that we should be choosing to worship on. This this is according to Ellen White. Right. <laughs> this is all prophetically revealed to her in the 19th century. Of course. So now that this has been proclaimed, no one has any excuse to worship on Sunday rather than Saturday. Mm. So it will now it it will from now on be that anyone who worships on Sunday is sinning. Is is has received the mark of the beast. Wow. But Ellen White was as kooky as all of the weirdness that was going on during the Second Great Awakening that led to Mormonism and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, yeah. All of that happened in upstate New York. Uh -huh. It was all in the same place. Seventh-day Adventism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Mormonism. <laughs> well, they have such harsh winters. Maybe they just didn't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> and you had the Millerite movement. Which eventually, you know, it splinters off and then you get the Seventh-day Adventists and the, and the Jehovah's Witnesses. And William Miller made a bunch of predictions about the return of Christ that didn't come true. Even to the point that people were selling all their stuff. Because mm. it's like, Jesus is going to come back on this day. We don't need any yeah. earthly possessions anymore. <clears throat> right. And then Jesus doesn't come back. And that day gets known as the Great Disappointment. <laughs> 
And so when everybody That's abandons uh, Miller's stuff, you get the the splitting uh, the splitting off into these different groups. But even among the Seventh Day Adventists, Ellen White made predictions about the return of Christ that did not come true. It's like they never learn. Yeah, yeah. But people continue in Seventh Day Adventism, even though she made these false prophecies. Her excuse, though, was the reason why Jesus didn't come back is because you didn't pray hard enough. Uh, so well, it's your fault. It's your fault. That's well, the, that's the you know yeah that's the like the uh, prosperity theology con. It's like we have control over that. Yeah, or we, something right. You know, like Even, God is not God. Yeah, the New Apostolic Reformation guys say the same thing. So, like Mike Bickle at the International House of Prayer, uh-huh. Christ comes back when we pray Him back. Hmm. So the reason why Christ hasn't returned is because not enough people are praying. Not enough people are praying. Interesting. Yeah, you see that happen in a number of different heresies throughout the centuries. Crazy. We could bring the end now if we would just all pray hard enough. I'm telling for it. you, if you stay inside too long, you start going crazy. <laughs> This is me saying this after being sick, you know. Right. <laughs> I understand completely. You're, you're going a little crazy. <laughs> I'm going a little crazy. But it's in Acts chapter 17 where the Apostle Paul says, this is at the Areopagus, Acts 17:30. The times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Amen. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is going to judge us based on which day, which we... day of the week that we worshiped on. Mm-hmm. He will judge us in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and that is Jesus Christ. Yes. So turn from your sin to the Lord Jesus Christ and quit arguing about days. <laughs> the point that Paul made in Romans 14. Okay, we've got... That's uh, not directed at... Who is it, Justin? Um, well, yeah, Justin. That, right. Yeah, that wasn't directed at Justin. Right. I'm not. I'm not He's telling not you. Picking a fight. I'm not telling you to quit arguing about days. He's saying that in general. Yeah, just the, clear the air. But that was just that was the question before. That last thing we responded to is Tanya. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. So anyway, is everybody thoroughly confused now? <laughs> Let's go to the next video. <laughs> So the next video I did, which is just a couple of days ago, is everyone a child of God? Mm. Here's the video and then the question. Hey, settle down. I'll hit play. <laughs> First John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And doesn't God love everyone? So everyone is a child of God. After all, the Bible says all people are made in God's image. So all are God's children, right? No, not every person is a child of God. That verse is for Christians, and it goes on to say the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. John 1.12 says all who believe in Jesus, He gave the right to become children of God. Only a Christian is a child of God. Whoever is not a Christian is a child of Satan. Jesus said in John 8, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. 1 John 3.10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Though everyone is made in God's image, we are born with the sin nature of Adam. 
But when a person hears the gospel and puts faith in Jesus, they are born again and remade in the image of Christ. By his blood, we're adopted into a new family with God as our father. Romans 8.15 says, You have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then fellow heirs with Christ, when we understand the text. And during that video, he fell back to sleep. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wish it worked that way. Uh-huh. Just throw another what video on and the baby goes back to sleep. I'd be playing what videos all day long. <laughs> <laughs> At least every nap time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So the question as, uh, as a follow-up to that video comes from Stephen in Kentucky. He says, Gabe, it is my belief that we're created in the image of Adam. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, and Christ restores that image according to Genesis 5.3. So it's in that passage there in Genesis 5 where it says that Adam fathered a child in his own image, mm-hmm. and that child is Seth. So therefore, all of us are made in the image of Adam and Eve. It was only Adam and Eve that were made in the image of God, as it says in Genesis 1.27. Male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. So is that true? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49, it says, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So in that sense, yeah, we bear the image of Adam. We're born with his sin nature, as I had mentioned there in the video, which is a desecration of the image of God. We were made in the likeness of God as mankind was meant to image God. So we're supposed to be glorifying god right since we have been he's clapping yes (laughs) that's right we are meant to glorify god and it says in first corinthians 11 7 that man is the glory of god so to image god means that we are made to glorify him and that's true even of the lost even of those who are not believers Mm -hmm. they're meant to glorify god going back to that statement that I made from Paul at the uh, at the end of Acts 17 there again. Mm-hmm. The times of ignorance God has overlooked. Now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Right. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Glorify God in your body. As Paul also said to the Corinthians, and as I'd mentioned earlier from Romans 12, 1, that we live in holiness and honor unto the Lord, and this is our spiritual act of worship. We are meant to worship God with our bodies because that's what God has made us for. Right. We've desecrated the image of God by sinning against God. Mm -hmm. And so in this way, we bear the image of the man of dust, who is Adam. But when we come to Christ, we bear the image of the man of heaven. Right. So you could say it both ways. Mm -hmm. You you could say we have been made in God's image. That's true. Mm -hmm. Mankind has been made in God's image. We desecrated that image with our sin. We bear the image of Adam. Right. We come to Christ. We're born again. And we're being remade in the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah, there you go. So thank you for your question, Stephen, making us think through those things yeah. a little more step deeply. Step by step. That's right. So that's it. That's what we got this week. We got to get this little one home. Yep. <laughs> if you have any questions you'd like to send to us, the email address is when we understand the text. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Let's pray and we'll be out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have together in your word, talking about the things of God, rejoicing in the goodness that you have done for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for those who have submitted questions today and have have left comments 
Justin about uh, the Lord's Day and Tanya talking about Seventh-day Adventism as we have opportunities with those who are walking after false beliefs. May we know how we can respond to each person and do so patiently with one another with regards to knowing who we are in Adam and who we are being made into in Christ. Help us to put off the old self. Help us not to walk in those sins or go after the passions of our flesh any longer, but to walk and live in holiness unto the Lord. For as it said in 1 Peter 1, be holy for God is holy. Thank you for your goodness and your patience toward us. We glorify Christ in all we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.